<clears throat> you're the top, you're the Colosseum, you're the top, you're the Louvre Museum, you're a melody from a symphony by Strauss. You're a Bendel bonnet, a Shakespeare sonnet, you're Mickey Mouse. You're the Nile, you're the Tower of Pisa, you're the smile. On the Mona Lisa, I'm a worthless check, a total wreck, a flop. But if, baby, I'm the bottom, you're the top. Thanks, mister. Hey. Did not. I'm cutting you off. <laughs> My daughter. Yeah. I guess that's creepy. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I don't edit these, and now I'm wishing I did. I'm Chris. And I'm Gloria. The weird one. <laughs> well, Which is weird. Only because that's yeah. the way it needs to be. Sure it does. No more five drink <sighs> episodes for you. All right. No more for you. <laughs> this time, this week, we are reviewing season 11, episode 3, Foreign Affairs, and season 11, episode 4, The Joker is Wild. Foreign Affairs. Oh. A good ooh-la-la moment, mm. because they're in triage outside, and they have some French casualties, so they send Mortur Lachak from the Red Cross to help translate. Well, Hawkeye tries to pick her up, nothing. Just doesn't even notice he exists. But Charles walked up, and there was an immediate connection. So that's one of the things going on. The mm -hmm. other thing going on is there is a man who is a war hero, um, but he doesn't want to be. So what happens when you become a war hero by mistake and you don't want to be? Because oh. you, the war hero wins $100,000 um, and everything he needs to survive in the United States and a trip back home to the United States. Mm hmm but this was a North Korean who doesn't want to leave. Yeah. So those were the two plots. Let's talk about how they came apart. Yeah. Um, Actually, it was a PR stunt. I should have yeah. mentioned that. Yeah. He wasn't a hero. No. It's it, kind of a PR stunt. Well, it was a PR well, stunt. Well, yeah. Major General Clark was trying to make this Korean soldier, this Korean pilot, you know, right. He wasn't a soldier, he was a pilot. The first one that... Yeah, into this hero, because a while back they had, you know, what was it, they, they had put out this reward where if you brought in a MiG in good working condition, they would award you $50,000 and 50000 extra to oh. the first one, Okay. a trip to the States and American citizenship. And a really nice... Um, I I, or was that just added on after? Uh, I think that was specifically Trend. for um, Chung Wu to try and woo him to be there. Because he did not want to go. Mm -hmm. He did it by mistake. His he... plane was uh, uh, not injured. That's a person term. Um, <laughs> it, it was damaged. And he just landed on the first serviceable road that he could. Which happened to be exactly what he needed to do to get a trip to America and $100,000, which you mm -hmm. would think 
us Americans very boldly just assume that's what everyone in the whole world wants, but he has a family here. Mm-hmm. But the translator that the PR guy had, mm-hmm. who was um, um, Chungwa um, Park. Chungwa Park. Mm-hmm. No, wait, right? No. Um, translator no. was Jung Su Lu. Yeah, I'm sorry. Jung Su Jung Sun Yu. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, he was the translator and mm-hmm. knew everything. He knew all the history about the United States and would be the perfect candidate to be a PR person. But the PR guy didn't want him, which. Mm-hmm. I still can't figure out in my head. He wanted the original pilot that yeah. did it, even well, though he didn't want to go. Yeah, because dude was the actual one who landed the MiG. I know, but it didn't make sense. He didn't speak any English, did not like English, out, didn't like our culture. Which the doctors pointed had out. Had family here that he wanted to return to, had mm-hmm. no desire for the money or the fame. Which the doctors point out. Uh, this other guy wanted it all and mm. spoke English, knew history, as they put it, better than they did. Yeah. And would be great at PR. Yeah. So they kind of tricked him into taking Jung Sung Lu. Jung Sung Yu. Yeah, which I, I think was just fantastic how they did that. Um, you know, what first Jung Sung Yu said to Hawkeye, some people do not know a good thing when it is right in front of their face. And then later... Everyone keeps saying that to Hawkeye. Yeah, later Potter said the same thing, but about Martin to uh, Hawkeye about uh, Charles. Charles. And Hawkeye at that point said, you're the second person who said that. And the next scene is him, BJ, and Klinger in Klinger's office making a call to uh, Major Reddish. And... You know, Major, I wanted to be the first to congratulate you. Your war hero wants to go. And so they arrange it, and Reddish sends out all these cables about the war hero, about defecting, and blah, blah, blah. And tons of people waiting at the docks to say goodbye and take pictures. And they pull the old bait and switch and put in (laughs) Jung-sung Yu. And that's where he knows... (laughs) American history better than we do. He speaks fluent English, and to top it off, he's cute as the Dickens. And he puts a big smile on, and he was cute as the Dickens. Come on, Major. Are we going to get this show on the road? <laughs> like when they said, you're trying to package the war like cornflakes. I will not lie. <laughs> I, I just love that lead-in because BJ says, And you call yourself a PR man. I won't lie without orders. I just don't get this whole war thing, you know? Oh, my goodness. I love it. So that's that whole part of it. And yeah. it turned out where um, they got the, the correct man, I think, to go over. Oh, yeah. The other guy... One of the things they did to bribe him is they gave him a pinstripe suit, mm-hmm. and that he kept. And then, yeah. so they're sending him to a war POW camp, POW camp. camp, and he waves goodbye suit. in his pinstripe suit as he's mm-hmm. going to this POW camp. And it was just so funny. He looked mm-hmm. so happy, like 
haha, I don't have to go, but I got my suit. Yeah. You know, he, he just had that look on his face. Yeah, he was appreciative to the doctors, you know, despite uh, being sent off to a POW camp, which was funny. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Charles Martin... That's a little deeper. I, mm-hmm. I think it, it's quite serious. Oh, yeah. Well, just because... It definitely was. When they looked at each other, you could see that they just had this connection. Mm-hmm. A deep connection right away. Well, like, yeah. Uh, before they even spoke to each other. Yeah. You know, Charles sits down in... Well, I think you might be talking about a different first time seeing each other, but to me, it was when they sat down and post-op at the table with Margaret. Right. And she's trying to talk, and they're not talking, but they're just communicating and um, just getting lost. I think that in was a, in the officers. I'm sorry, officers club, yeah, and they're club. just getting lost in each other's eyes. Right. And, um, it was fantastic. It was very well done as far as the scene goes, and everything that you would expect to happen between them seems to happen after that. They seem to enjoy the same music. They mm-hmm. enjoyed the same kind types of coffees and the same mm-hmm. wines. Mm-hmm. And they just had this connection mm-hmm. where they both knew the same areas, have been to the same mm-hmm. bars until... And, well, I think the best part of this for me was that Charles had all these tastes because he was an upper-class American and had very refined tastes. But Martine was French. She just was there. And so... She lived it. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't upper class to her. It was just class. Mm-hmm. It was just the way they live. It's the wines that they drink. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, too, you know, then we start to get into some of her life. And when A I lived with Robert and... She did mention something about Robert, though, before he died. I thought she was married to him also, mm-hmm. just by the way she spoke mm-hmm. of him. The time when Robert first carried me across the threshold yes. of our apartment. It was such a magical time. And that actually put in my head that they were married. Because why yeah. would you carry across the threshold? Because he was carrying was her into their house. Into their house for the first mm-hmm. time. Okay. Yes. And, but and, that and, put in my head and, that they were married. Yeah. And in Charles too. Oh. So he thought they were married, and then he found out that she did a nude portrait yeah. that she just loved, and in fact, was, and took pleasure in it so well, much that she would where it was hung. She would. Why, why did they have it hung there? Because he was poor and had to <laughs> sell it. To settle his to debt. To settle his debt. So she would go to this place where they sold it and sit under the picture because she liked to watch people realize that was her in the painting. She was proud of this. Very proud. He would look from me to the portrait and back to me. And it was so funny to watch the recognition in their eyes. But to Winchester, this was maybe lower class. Well, you know, a bit of that, I suppose, but at that point, he realized more about her life because he said, well, what did your husband think about we it? We weren't married. Robert and I were never married. But and you even also... if so, he would have found it hilarious. You have to remember the times that we were in. Mm-hmm. You, there was, you were married. Yep. I mean, that mm-hmm. was all there was. Yep. If you didn't get married then something was wrong with you or 
Um, mm -hmm. My goodness, it, you know, they would, if, if by any means you were gay or something that wasn't quite as as in the 50s you'd say normal you would actually they would send you to psychiatric mm -hmm. care yeah you know so to him this this was not right it was mm. not it was so below i don't know if it's even below i don't know no how to... it, it was i think it's he summed it up very well i, I think the writer summed it up very well and i think um that David Ogden Steers did a fantastic job of portraying it on screen because we see him giving her the cold shoulder and right. in their last scene together he's laying down on his cot and she comes in and you know it is not part on such cold terms Charles what is wrong and he says my family is from Boston and your your life your bohemian ways they're simply not compatible mm -hmm. my family is very conventional Con conventional yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and what about you Charles? i can't change who i am right. and you know it the thing is he he sheds a tear at that and i I loved the dichotomy of his character at that point, and that's, again, just what I love seeing with Charles. The This time around watching MASH, it's like he's my favorite character as he's been here longer because there's such depth. Because right here, you know, we see this core to his character where, you know, I, I, I'm upper class, I, I have a certain expectation upon me of how to act of how to be but in society he let me be happy like he mm -hmm. talked about tom and jerry and how mm -hmm. it makes him laugh yeah. and he's like don't ever tell anyone else this mm -hmm. but so she had this way of opening him up and he wants that you see that in that moment with her he right. wants to be with her to be with her as she is in that way of life but he can't no. I can't change who, who I, I am. am. That is how my family is. And then the my favorite line from Martine, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, comes when she says, you know, your friend Hawkeye, I said I was not attracted to him because he was too childish. And I feel that you are not childlike enough. Goodbye, Charles. Oh, I liked when she said Charles. And then she gave him a kiss and walked away. And, and a good kiss. Yeah. Like, not a kiss on the cheek goodbye, no. but, uh, huh, sucks for you. Look what you're missing yeah. kind of kiss. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, there's different kisses. And yeah. this was definitely, mm -hmm. uh... Mm-hmm. You, your loss. And you could see it in him, too, that he realized right. like this. Like you said, there was a tear falling mm -hmm. from his face. But he just... Again, he knows himself. The, and yeah, that depth to his character. You know, knowing I want this, but I can't. So I thought that part of it was, that's why I kind of say, wanted to save that for last, because mm. I thought it was deeper than what I remembered. Like, mm -hmm. I as soon as I saw the picture, I knew what this yeah. was about. <laughs> yeah. But I don't remember it being as passionate. Mm -hmm. You know, this was very passionate, I thought. Yeah. 
Yeah, very quickly passionate. And, you know, they, they say that. I When uh, the first time he comes to her tent, he brought flowers, the best he could find. Without stepping in line, <laughs> right. man. Yeah. And a bottle of wine and just, you know, he says, I, I didn't think that I could feel this way about someone so quickly. And that's when she tells him about little Bear. Oh. And, and I, you just assume they're married. Yeah, I did not think I could feel about someone the way I do so quickly either. But you have made me realize that I can. And, yeah, it just... Yeah, you know, one thing, uh, the way both of them... I think mm-hmm. it's her accent with his accent. You know, you have these two, you know, very deep, mm-hmm. powerful accents together. And they work mm-hmm. well together. And you can almost see these two together. In my oh, mind, yeah. like, that is someone I would see Charles with. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, in a different time. Right. So, like you said, it was... Yes. As it, a product of the time, it couldn't happen. Like, I know there's another time when he just truly falls for someone, but I don't see what I see in these two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Whatever. So, yeah. Whatever. It, it, it's It's passion yeah just a great job in my opinion by both actors um mm-hmm. just fantastic um anything else about this no, episode I, that I, we... <laughs> okay no yeah i i love oh, it one thing that yeah. bothered me the whole time is yeah. her wearing par- pearls who wears pearls in the army she wore pearls yeah she wore pearls through the whole thing i saw a Oh, I didn't even notice. Yes. I saw the scarf. It bothered me the whole time. No, I, yeah, she Like, wore, I remember a scarf yep, around her did. neck. she did. She wore a scarf with her pearls. She mm. had pearls the whole time. Mm. I'm like, um, okay. Well, I she's agree. in the Red Cross, not the I Army. I don't care. You don't wear pearls <laughs> in Korea. You don't wear pearls <laughs> in a war zone? It clashes. <laughs> it clashes. It's past Labor Day. No, <laughs> It clashes it's with just... the olive drab and the blood. <laughs> okay. The pearls bothered me. <laughs> okay, I will let that go. Um, something else to point out here, just for for my own sake. Uh, Jung Sung Yoo was played by Sun Tech Oh, who this was his fifth and last appearance. Fifth, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, fifth appearance and last appearance in Mash. Uh, he had previously been in Love and Marriage, where he was. Uh, like a, a Korean soldier attached to the Allied MASH units. Uh, the bus where he was an enemy soldier that surrendered to this broken down bus of doctors who were trying to find their way back to the 477th. The Korean surgeon, who was a POW, uh, taken when the Americans overran one of the North Korean or Chinese um, outposts. The Yalu Brick Road, where uh, BJ and Hawkeye got lost, and then they surrendered to him when he surrendered to them, and he insisted on being taken prisoner. And then this one, where he was a translator, and then ended up swapping places with a POW. So And gets to go to America, which is why he can't come back again. Yeah. He got $100,000. Why would he come back? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep, that's it. Yeah. Uh, but I love the characters he plays. Um, I, I I do kind of wish that Mash hadn't just been like, oh, to all of you round-eye Americans, 
Here you go. Asian people all look the same. It's fine. We'll just keep reusing him as different North Koreans, South same. Koreans, and Chinese. It's fine. Nobody will notice. <laughs> I wish they hadn't done that, but whatever, Maybe I guess. the acting pool isn't very large, and why do we have Tia? Okay, so other things. Yeah, IMDB, for some reason, in the back of this page is E.T. Uh, but uh, an anachronism in this episode. Uh, Potter mentions that he w met a woman, Danielle, in World War One. Yeah, and uh, she was... Now, here it says 20, which was 20 and older than him, which would make him a teenager in World War One. but an episode pressure points he says he is 62 the year was 1952 so his birth year would be 1890 making him at least 27 <laughs> during world war one well that's quite the catch good for them so he's both <laughs> a teenager and in his late 20s which is awesome because which that doesn't happen <laughs> sorry <laughs> sure uh also well this isn't really too much it, crazy credits IMDb list. Well, they use the apparently they use the shorter closing credits as the opening credits theme. Um, so there's that. All right. Anything else about no. this episode? All right. Uh, so we have guest stars recurring cast. We have Jeffrey Tambor. Oh, that's yeah. how I know I am. Yeah, from um, Arrested Development. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Michael Bluth. Or Michael, George Michael, Michael Senior, Michael Senior, right? Jeffrey Tambor is Major Reddish, Melinda Mullins as Martine Leclerc, Sun Tech Oh as Jun Sung Yu, Byron Chung as Lieutenant Chung Wa Park, the uh, pilot, Buddy Farmer as the MP watching the POW Chung Wa, Pat Romano as the French soldier. In, uh, when, when they were triaging Joanne Thompson as Nurse Joanne who uh, Major Reddish tries to bribe with silk uh, stockings, stockings. Yeah. and then Dennis Troy as a corpsman the production code was 1G22 writers David Pollock, Elias Davis director Charles S. Dubin original air date November 8th 1982 alright uh, the Joker is wild. So, it's a fun episode. Uh, there's an A plot and a minor B plot. The A plot is that, um, I guess Hawkeye's had it with BJ's stupid practical jokes and tells him, you know, back when Trapper was here, he pulled some really great ones, and you're nowhere near the level of Trapper. So, uh, continuing this discussion in the mess. BJ says, I bet I can get you all by, you know, within a day. And if I don't, I will uh, sing on the table while doing a strip. And if I do, then all the ones who get got have to do it. Uh, turns out, only one guy got got. I think technically by the rules, Trapper should have, or Trapper, BJ should have been yeah, doing it. Yeah, I know, it. because I thought he had to get them all. Yeah. But, um, But I think in the end it was... Everyone... Yeah. And you had to admit, he got him good. Yeah, and I think that's kind of, Hawkeye yeah. admits, you got me, you got me, okay, you got me. It was a good one. Yeah. 
Uh, but then the minor B plot is that there's a surgeon swap uh, from the 8063rd. Charles goes, and an old buddy of BJ's comes in return, Captain Paul Yamato. But Hawkeye thinks that Yamato is a plant by BJ, and so just. Yeah. Yamato ends up thinking that Hawkeye is pretty nuts by the end. But I think Paul Yamato could also have been called Paul McGuffin. Because he's not really a major plot point, but more a vehicle to move it along. Yes. Yeah. You know, the only reason he's there is so that Hawkeye can act weird toward a fellow officer. That's basically it, in my opinion. That doesn't understand what's going on. Yeah. So. Yeah, there wasn't really a purpose for him. No, other, you know, so that's why I say he's a MacGuffin. He, yeah. He's a he's a plot device. He's not an actual character. He just happens to be there, which is unfortunate because I think uh, Clyde Kusatsu, I think I said that right, has also appeared in a couple of uh, episodes yes, of Mash. I've seen him before. Four of them. So, um, but that's it, really. You know, uh, the the interesting part to me about this episode was re-watching it it was even funnier and the fact that we were with someone that hadn't seen it before mm -hmm. so we both knew what was going to happen mm -hmm. so i'm waiting for reactions from laura <laughs> unfortunately ryan was being ryan at this time of night it's late so she was getting ready to go down for bed and being you know overtired super energetic toddler but um yeah just it was still fun you know I just like knowing like you know um when charles wakes up the tent smashing a snake well you realize hawkeye didn't see a live snake in charles bed he saw you know a quote-unquote dead one on the end of charles club but hawkeye is seeing all this mean stuff that quote, BJ, BJ is mm. doing. Mm -hmm. But I think each person thought of their own mm -hmm. scheme and put it together because mm -hmm. BJ didn't seem to have yeah. a clue. Like, mm -hmm. how did the bomb get in Klinger's drawer? You know, that's true. And, you know, although he did have the piece of material that was cut out of Margaret's well, but, you know, as we find out in the final final scene in the mess, they all worked with him. Yes. To come up yes. with these. So, they, you so know. So, they all worked together. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think So, do you, you want to tell them all the stuff that they yeah. went through? Oh, no, yeah. So, yeah, you know, we had Charles. Uh, Hawkeye didn't see the live snake in Charles' bed, but he saw the dead one on the end of his uh, nine iron. He didn't taste Potter's... Uh, toothpaste, but he saw and heard Potter choking on what Charles said was shaving cream. He um, didn't see Margaret walking through camp with the butt cut out of her funny one. Uh, out of her um, out of her gown. But BJ happened to have the missing fabric in the desk in post op. He did not see. Uh, who else? He did not see Klinger's uh, file cabinet get blown up, but he heard the explosion 
and he ran back in to see it on fire, and he didn't taste Father Mulcahy's food to see if it was too spicy, but he did hear and see Father Mulcahy choking after eating it. But I agree with you now that I think about it, because Charles would not do something outside of the tent to terribly embarrass himself. Right. Margaret would probably pick something that was somewhat sexualized, because that's who she is at her core. Klinger would think of something, and it would go horribly wrong. And during the scene, when Hawkeye is helping Klinger put out the fire, he makes the comment, I wouldn't think BJ would do this. Ah, you're right. Yeah, he wouldn't. wouldn't do that. Klinger, on the other hand, would. But yes, they. I, I think you're right. I think they all come up with their own pranks, pull them on themselves, and then in the end, it's Hawkeye who has gotten. But he just, you see this downward spiral of paranoia. Every every scene that Hawkeye was in, you can, you can see my notes. All I have written is Hawkeye is paranoid. Hawkeye gets super paranoid in post-op. Uh... Hawkeye is so paranoid. The other ones when they Hawk came in, is they super were paranoid. They were truly annoyed and truly like angry. Like Father mm-hmm. Mulcahy. Oh, they oh did a I great can't job believe of acting. you did this to me. Yeah, but just yeah. you know, so, Hawkeye at every turn he thinks it's a plant by BJ. Like Yamato is a plant and And that know, was just dumb luck. That yeah, was a coincidence that though, BJ's friend and ex roommate came. Yeah, like like and, BJ says to him in the mess. Those were real. <laughs> there was a young soldier that he helped that gave him a, a Cuban, Cuban cigar. cigar. He was too ashamed to tell his CO that he didn't smoke, so he took it. And he was giving it to him. Well, he shoved it in water. I Hawkeye mean, shoved it in water because he, he, saw, yeah, he saw BJ walk in and instantly his paranoia returns and he looks at the soldier and goes, nice try, kid. Shoves it in water and he's like, hey... That's an expensive cigar. Yeah, and yeah, and then goes over and, and chews BJ out for, how dare you? How dare you get a wounded soldier involved? And then um, there's a Korean soldier in post-op who starts choking Yamato. <gasps> yes, because he's Japanese. and I'm not Japanese. I'm from the Bronx. <laughs> Something like that. And uh, But he heard his name. Yeah, he's being choked, and Hawkeye just goes, oh, come on. You can do better than that. You know, he didn't even go over and help. Mm-hmm. So seriously, this this doctor thinks he's nuts. Mm-hmm. And I think they finally tried to explain it to him, and they thought he had left. Mm, he walked in on... T- oh, Yamato, yes. the next morning. Well, yeah, he walks in as Hawkeye's doing his striptease. <laughs> but, but before he gets to that morning... After his post-op duty, he goes back to the swamp and basically just tosses his whole corner of the swamp because he's convinced that BJ has some sinister setup to get him inside of a rectangle of barbed wire with a golf club, and he's just twitching. (laughs) Every little sound, he's twitching, including the hyenas, which there aren't any of in Korea. (laughs) In fact, they asked, have you eaten or gotten any sleep? Nope, but I'm going still to here. Now. I'm going I, to now. 
because I did it. I won. Yeah. He didn't get me. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> You're the only one that's gotten got. Mm -hmm. So somehow they're like, no, no, you're the only one. All the rest of us were on BJ's side. So he did get everyone who was against him. Mm -hmm. You. So you have to do the strip tease while singing You're the Tops. And as he's doing so, Captain Paul Yamato walks in and sees this raving lunatic Hawkeye on a table you're without pants. You're the top pizza. Mm. Drops his pants. Yep. But this has to be the ultimate best ending. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The ending of this, I think, is probably it's one of... It's I, I'm not saying the show is in my top ten mm. shows. No, yeah. But that's definitely mm -hmm. the most memorable ending. You wanna... I... I think I have more memorable endings, but I know oh. why you're saying that. Because, yeah, Hawkeye wakes up, BJ wakes up, and it's like, oh, okay. I remembered it immediately. Like, I just started laughing yeah. in my own head. Yeah, like, okay, we're just having a nice, you know, okay, it's over, it's done with moment, and, you know. Everything's oh. forgiven? Mm-hmm. Yep. And BJ sits up, and half of his mustache is gone. I see. <laughs> Oh, and you know how proud he is of his mustache. Yeah. Hey, I don't <laughs> shave this for anyone, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, fun episode. I agree. Um, Especially watching it through someone else's eyes. I yeah. think that's what made it even more fun. Mm -hmm. Some points. Uh, with the premise of this episode, uh, the MASH wiki points out... We don't really see Trapper pulling pranks, you know, so this is purely like, this all happened off screen implication. Uh, clearly, people like Henry Blake would have had to have been kept out of the loop on all this, because he never wanted to know what was going on. So, uh, BJ, or. That's a minor point, but BJ probably would have also had to have consulted Potter ahead of time about this. Because an already exhausted chief surgeon was somebody he would have wanted to avoid pulling these pranks on. So he would have, he probably would have known ahead of time it's going to be a lull, not too bad, we can do this. So mm -hmm. Potter was involved from the beginning, which no doubt was how BJ got the rest of the staff involved. And Potter even said this was such a good one or at one mm -hmm. point, you know, yeah. that we had to follow. Or mm -hmm. Well, I agree. It just, yeah, for it to, to go on that long was was just fantastic. Um, let's see here. Oh, a little continuity error. In the mess tent, when Igor's serving him, he uh, is, again, super paranoid. And so Igor is trying to give him these peas and carrots that were very good. But then Hawkeye looks over his shoulder and sees BJ and then s stops uh, Igor as he's about to slap these on the tray. And Igor ends up spilling them into the beans. Well, then we see a cut. And when the cut comes back mm -hmm. to the serving line, the peas and carrots are not in the beans. Okay. So, whoops. Cleaned them up. Yep. Uh, also, factual error, uh, apparently we hear various animal sounds when Hawkeye's in his little barbed wire barricade, 
Uh, an owl, a barking dog, and a hyena. There are no hyenas in <laughs> Korea. Uh, the Joker's Wild comes from a long-running quiz show hosted by TV veteran Jack Barry and later Bill Cullen. In the show, contestants would have to answer questions on a variety of topics with uh, the prize money determined by a slot machine-style device. The winning contestant could then move on to a bonus round where they would play a slot machine for a chance at even bigger prizes, but with the risk of losing everything. So that's uh, the Joker's Wild. But cool. Neat episode, in my opinion. Um... Yeah, it was fun. Like I say, fun on a second watch. Highly recommended, but not in my top ten. Yeah, not in my mm -hmm. top ten, but in enjoyable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And memorable. And memorable. I agree. Because both of us immediately started laughing mm -hmm. because we knew what was happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any other points from this episode for you? Um, not really. Okay. Um... Then guest stars recurring cast, Clyde Kusatsu, I'm sorry, I'm sure I'm not saying that right, as Captain Paul Yamato, David Hyde as Private Lightman, Jeff Maxwell, reprising his role as Igor Straminsky, we had Jin Taki as the Korean soldier who tried to kill Captain Yamato, and Terry Moyer as the OR nurse. This... The production code for this was 1G24. Writer, John Rappaport and Dennis Koenig. Director was Burt Metcalf. Original air date, November 15th, 1982. So, we are on the... Well, this is only episode four, but we're on the downhill slide. Definitely, we're getting close to the bottom of the hill that is MASH, unfortunately. However, we're not there yet. And we have and, a lot after MASH. Mm -hmm. So... With those things in mind, if you found some value in this episode, if you'd like to catch up with our past episodes, you can do that by heading over to your favorite podcast application, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and search for Whiskey and Mash. We're over there. Subscribe, and you can get all the new episodes downloaded automatically to your device. Otherwise, if you don't do the podcast thing and you want to get the raw MP3 files in case you do that, or you just want to stream one of our episodes off of our website, you can do that too. Head over to uh, narclaninc.com. That's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C.com. Go to the podcast link. Go to the Whiskey and Mash page. There on our page are the MP3s of all of our back episodes. Also on that page are links. One is an email link. You can email us directly here at the podcast. The other link is to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash whiskeyandmash. Go over there, like our page, follow us so you know when we put out a new episode. Whenever we do, I post the synopsis over there along with the link back to the web page. Uh, you can also send us messages on the web page and just let us know that you're listening to the podcast. But again, if you found some value in this podcast, some enjoyment, if it just helped you kill oh, about 42 minutes of your day, I think that's where we're going to end up being with this one. Um, and you want to support this podcast and what we do, the best way for you to do that is to share this episode, this podcast with a friend, a family member, a coworker. Uh, share the post from our Facebook page on your account. Uh, Cross-share it to Twitter, to Instagram, wherever. You know, Just help us grow our audience as we continue because, again, you know, we, we have more episodes left in like, Gloria said we're, we're planning on doing aftermath so we have more content to go 
and we would love for you to join us on that journey, especially since uh, for Aftermash, neither of us have seen it. Right, so it should be fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll all be experiencing it together. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we appreciate each and every one of you who listens to this. Thank you so much. Thank you for uh, liking our posts over on our Facebook page, letting us know that you're there. I want to take one minute to also say thank you very much to Chris, who has never had an ah, er, or but in this saying oh. that he does so eloquently every yeah. week to tell you how to get to us. <laughs> he runs this whole podcast. He does all the work. I literally just mm. come sit down, watch the show, enjoy mm. it, and get to come in here and talk with you. So thank you for all mm. you do. He does thank you. all the downloading. All mm. I seriously look like I'm... I know what I'm doing, and I don't have to do a thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, but yeah, with with that, uh, you know, we hope to uh, we hope that you tune in next time for our next podcast. But until then, I'm Chris. I am Gloria. And uh, have a good week. Have a good week. Good drinks tonight too. Thank you. I do what I can. Yeah, I I'm very grateful that I get to do this and have fun. And yeah, I agree. Um, Oh, thank you. Without actually knowing a <laughs> thing about computers. That, yeah. Well, I, I would really like um, to see Ben and Laura do something like this with The Simpsons. And I've heard some interesting things. Yeah, and I would be perfectly willing to help produce it, but yeah, I, did, yeah, I, I like it. It's fun to do this. But you have to know how. Yeah. See you all. Uh, uh, see, 41, 36, 37, oh, keep talking, 38, everyone. almost 42, almost 42.